Today's Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thank you, Heather, and good morning, everybody. Hey, whether you're a Bible reader or you're not a Bible reader or you're beginning in your Bible readings, you have probably heard of one of the most famous parts of the Bible called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments, maybe you saw it in a movie once upon a time with Charlton Heston. The Ten Commandments are very famous and often form a large part of some people's ethic of how you please God. When we come to this part of the scripture, there's a fair case to say we might be staring down the barrel of the Eleventh Commandment. You see, Jesus is on a mountain, again, just like Moses. In fact, this is a mountain Jesus has been on before in Galilee. Uh, Last time he was on it, he did something else very famous in the Bible called the Sermon on the Mount, where he actually started to explain the law that Moses has taught the people of God back in the time of Israel. Now, Jesus is on this mountain, and what's very interesting is once upon a time, Moses went up the mountain, and the mountain was called holy, and no one was to touch the mountain. They were to stay at a distance from the mountain, and Moses would receive from God and come down and bring the law to the people. How very wonderful that on this occasion, there's not that separation. In fact, Jesus' followers are on the mountaintop with him. He has raised them up to be with him, and God now speaks directly to his people. Uh, And he, he brings his word to them. So it's very much a similar scene to what happened with Moses, that this might be the 11th commandment. You know, in my experience, it's felt very much like the 11th commandment as a Christian because uh, most of the churches that I've been blessed to be a part of have had this passage of scripture as something of the basis of what they do and the church you're sitting in is one of those churches we believe we are called by God to be a community of grace committed to making disciples of the Lord Jesus where does that come from comes straight from God and his word there's this word that Jesus spoke to his disciples and you'll see it on the screen right now we're called to make disciples of all nations and I've got to tell you I've been to interviews for ministry roles where on more than one occasion question one Shane explain to us the great commission what does Matthew 28 16 to 20 mean very important derive uh, drives and directs ministries it's felt much like the 11th commandment I don't know if there's a passage of scripture that I've been asked to preach on more than Matthew 28, 16 to 20. It's very significant. And every time I've come to it, I've learned something new. Would you believe it or not? Here's the thing. So often as I come to this passage of scripture, I do what often we all do when you come to the Bible. What does God want from me? What are my instructions? And so I make disciples. Okay, I'm meant to be a disciple who makes disciples and teaches those disciples to make disciples what Robin Kinstead likes to call disciplication, the multiplication of disciples. It's a good word, get used to it. I'm often looking, what's what God want me to do? But did you know when you come to the scripture, that's not your first job. The Bible's first job is not to be, your instructions for today are to do these things. 
The Bible's first job as the Word of God is God saying, Hi, I'm God. Pleased to meet you. Oh, in case you didn't know what I'm like, this is what I'm like. The Bible is God's Word about God, revealing God to us. Thankful to God I remembered that as I was reading this. And here's what touched me anew this time. These words of authority and being with me always. Okay, make disciples. That's what I've got to do. That's what I've got to do. Wait. Why, do I, why am I doing that? I love that Jesus has given us a white hot why. The reason to doing this, what comes before the therefore, is do it because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Okay, that's the why. Okay, he's given me a why. He's given me a reason. Oh, I'm still a little shaky. That's all right. He's given me an encouragement. Don't worry, Shano. I'm with you always to the end of the age. Okay, Jesus has given me the why. And Jesus has given me the encouragement to keep going. That tells me something about Jesus. But as I thought on that, it provoked the question. The why is that all authority has been given to him. The encouragement is that he comes with me and with you. The question that started to tick away in my brain, and I think it's a fair question for all of us to ask, is, are you sure you have all authority in heaven and earth? What about when it doesn't feel like you're with me? I mean, we live in a world where we've seen wars and crusades and stuff carried out by people who said they were acting in the name of Jesus. Yeah, that was a weird way for him to exercise his authority. Shouldn't he have called those folks back and went, whoa, 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 that's not the plan. What about those times where two countries have gone to war with one another, both claiming Jesus? Is he like a parent who can't sort out his kids? Which would make him like one of us. Uh, where's the authority there? Where's his authority and his presence when the abuse of his people takes place, when people are martyred? Where's his authority and his presence when his people are abusive and hurt one another and hurt others? You think he might show up? Where is his authority and his presence when we experience turmoil? You start to think that maybe he does have this authority, but he just hasn't shown up. Or maybe you think, oh, he is present, but maybe he's not actually in charge. Someone else has the keys. Is that a fair question? Now, maybe you're a staunch believer and you're going, no, 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 just accept it. Okay. But it's still a fair question. It's a fair question for someone to wrestle with whether you're a believer, worshipping and doubting, or whether maybe you haven't yet come to Jesus and you're thinking, hang on a minute, how does this all work? So it's worth our time this morning to spend a little bit of effort to try and understand what is Jesus meaning with this idea of all authority is his in heaven and on earth, and that he'll be with his disciples to the end of the age. I think the way to understand this is to explore what has Jesus actually meant by saying this? What is God actually promising? We've got to go back to some of God's promises. Now, the Bible is a book of a lot of words, right? 66 books, three different languages, multiple authors and tons of words, and I think we can be forgiven if we forget one or two of them. Will you forgive me? I'll forgive you. The Bible doesn't have any pictures, but it creates some amazing pictures. 
some pictures that are powerful and will stick with you. And you know what kind of a picture sticks with you sometimes and really makes a point? A cartoon, exhibit A. Right, that'll be with you over lunchtime today. And it's funny, as you see a cartoon like that, because you're living in the time you are, I would hazard a guess that you know who the person in the red speedos is meant to be. What's very interesting, very interesting, because I've looked at this before, I might have even shown you this before, is after this cartoon was created, another political leader turned up at question time in uh, Islamic dress. Yeah, the cartoon took a deeper level again. But even in 50 years' time, and that's how the world moves, men, people aren't going to know who those figures are in 50 years' time. But they'll still look at that cartoon and go, ha-ha, yeah, I get it. You know, you say, I find what you're wearing confronted. It'll still make its point, and it sticks with you. And God does that in the Scriptures sometimes. The cartoons in the Bible, the fancy name for them is apocalyptic. This is where God creates kind of crazy pictures like that to make a point that will stick with you. And here is an apocalyptic called Daniel 7. Daniel 7 is this picture, and I've actually had a friend draw it for me. I've got to give credit to Reverend Matthew Goodman, who is the assistant minister at Dapto Anglican Church. He kicked off last year. Matt drew this for me about 10 years ago when I had the pleasure of discipling him as a young adult. And I said, I need a picture that people can see of what God's talking about in Daniel 7. It's not pretty, is it? Well, it's half pretty. The picture of Daniel 7 is one of beastly kingdoms. And you can see them. They're ferocious and they're scary. No one's going to make a soft toy that looks like any of those things to cuddle your children at night. These were a depiction of some of the things that cause us to wrestle where we go, well, how is that happening in the world? God showed that picture and he said, yeah, this is happening under heaven. And he said, but one who is going to come over that, an unexpected son of man, a humble, gentle, smaller one will be lifted up over all of those kingdoms and will reign supreme. If you use this cartoon you can actually go a long way into understanding the authority of Jesus. And here's what I want to do. Can I share with you this morning why I trust in the authority that Jesus claims to have? I believe that Jesus is not lying and has all authority under heaven and earth because God has been honest about the very problem. In this picture, God has said, here I am, the ancient of days, the ruler of heaven, and I see this beastly broken world. I'm not going to try and tell you that it's not like that. I see it. I, God. If you want to get mad, get mad. But I, God, I see this world broken as it is. And I see the, the warring against one another and the quest for power and the stepping on one another and all these ugly things. But I'm going to lift a humble one above it all and I'm going to give him authority and a kingdom that will be above it all. The first reason I believe that God's word is true and this authority is true because God doesn't try to hide that this is a broken and beastly world and he knows about it. He's not saying, oh, no, 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 that was the old management. He says, no, I see it. And I'll call it for what it is. It's beastly and it's broken. I believe in the honesty, I believe in the authority of Jesus because not only is God honest about the problem, but Jesus is honest about the sign. Look at Matthew 12 with me. Jesus says, look, 
when people ask him for a sign, are you really this king who's going to reign above all? He says, I'll give you one sign and one sign only, and that is that I... Am I okay, Luke? Yep. I'm buried in the ground, and then I will overcome death. I'll overcome all these beastly things, because how do those beastly kingdoms beat one another? They kill one another. I will overcome death, and I'll be raised up. If you see that sign, you know that I'm really what I claim to be. I love how honest and clear he is about the sign. Now, this is important. Because it would be easy for him to say, look, so you see me do some good stuff, you should believe in me. But he doesn't. He doesn't refer back to his miracles. He doesn't refer back to his healings. He doesn't refer back to his teaching. He doesn't say, look, I've gone pretty well, haven't I, over the years? You should probably just believe. He almost discounts all these miraculous things and says, one sign and one sign only. If you see me overcome death, you should believe. Now that's really significant for us today. Because I raise things with you like wars against countries who claim to be Christian, Christians who abused, abused and Christians who abuse. And you go, yeah, what, if God was in, in charge, wouldn't he do something about that? But the many different signs we would ask for, for Jesus to prove that he really does have authority are, are infinite. I'm looking at Nicola. And Nicola's probably, don't worry Nicola, you're not in trouble. Nicola's probably got an idea in her head, I want God, to, I want Jesus to prove it like this. And then I see Alan Ewing. And he's got an idea in his mind too. And Anders is behind him going, no, no, I've got a better idea. And then, you know, I see Emma over there and Emma's like, I've got a few ideas that Jesus should do this, that and the other and that would make him prove that he's God. Yep, that'd be good. Bobby's got some ideas in his head as well. Peter's right next to him and he's like, Bobby, let me, let me school you, son. I've got some other ideas as well. And Eva's got some plans. And guess what? I've got some plans as well. Here's the problem. Sometimes if Jesus was to satisfy this person's plan, it would be against that person's plan. And that Jesus says, I'm not going to satisfy every single thing that you want because you're not in authority. What I'm going to do, one sign and one sign only, I'm going to take on death. The thing that has held everything that lives captive. The thing that has reigned over the earth. Why don't I just take on the biggest, baddest enemy? And if I can defeat sin and death, why don't you start believing that just maybe God spoke truthfully and all authority is mine over heaven and earth? I believe in the authority because God's been honest about the problem. I believe in the authority because Jesus has been honest and clear about the sign. I believe in the authority of Jesus because he's been honest about the outcome. Nowhere in Daniel 7 does it say, this son of man was raised and instantly all the trouble went away. The beast is still there. Jesus doesn't rise from the grave and say, all authority is given to me and now look, everything's perfect. He doesn't say that. He doesn't even say, and now that I'm risen, watch me reshuffle all the deck chairs and everything will work. No, he's been telling people, this is going to take a whole renewal. Just like I've got a new resurrection body that will never die again, nothing will be perfectly fixed until the whole earth is renewed and I will do that in my time. Not your time, my time, because all authority hasn't been given to you. It's mine. I believe in the authority of Jesus because he's been honest about the outcome. He didn't tell me that everything would be perfect now. 
And can I tell you, I believe in the authority of Jesus and I was gently rebuked by him this week as I read this because of just how gentle he is with his authority. I don't know about you, but if all authority in heaven and earth was given to me, some people are going to feel a little sting of coercion. As I go, you're not doing that anymore, you're doing this. You're not going there anymore, you're going here. You're not... You see where I'm going? Gee, my goodness, there's that saying that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I don't think I'm immune to that. I'll let you in on a secret. I don't think you are either. But here is Jesus with all authority in heaven and earth, and I cannot believe how it grieves his heart to be so gentle with it. Don't forget, gentle isn't weak. Gentle is controlled strength. Here we have a Jesus who grieves and hurts as he sees people hurt one another, as he sees turmoil, but he's gentle enough to wait. And he's amazing enough to empower. He empowers his disciples to go and be announcers of his kingdom and his authority that people will be changed and renewed and come into his rescue. He's so gentle with his authority as he calls people like me and people like you into his kingdom. I guess Jesus works at a different pace to me because when I feel myself empowered, I'm kind of like, well, there's only so much time for me to get this done. I better get everything moved into order and I'm worried. Jesus is not worried. And he's not on a timeline like me because his power and authority is forever power and authority. He will bring all things into alignment. And such is his honesty that he said, I will be gentle bringing things into alignment until I'm not. His patience isn't forever. He's so gentle. But don't, make you th- don't let that cause you to think he's a doormat. He's gently calling, gently aligning, gently bringing all things together until he does return and he returns as judge. And some will be brought into eternal life and some into eternal torment. What a powerful, just and gentle God he is. And I believe in his authority. You know, I also believe he's with us. I believe that all authority in heaven and earth has been his, is his. And I believe he truly is with us to the end of the age. Now, I, like you, sometimes have those moments where, where is he? Where is this God? I believe he's with us because Jesus opened my eyes and opens our eyes in an important way to something we don't always see, and that is the spiritual realm. We are good as humans, are we not, at the material world? Now, maybe you don't think we are, but I think we're pretty good. Sometimes one of my kids will say to me, you know, we're using the Wi-Fi or something, and uh, my 16-year-old will say, do you ever wonder, how do we get Wi-Fi from, like, trees and rocks and stuff? And I'm like, yeah. You go on a bushwalk, right, and you see trees and rocks and stuff, and you go, how did this turn into my house with Wi-Fi? And the wonder that it is. How? There's a whole process of skillful people who are really good at the material world. And the last few years, I've had some bumps and scratches out of required surgery, and I can't believe it. I go in there, there's a tiny little scar on my body, and I come out, and there's new bits inside me, and I'm good as new in the same day. Right? We're so good at this material world. 
and we'll all leave church later, jump in our cars. Some of you, I've got a new car, you don't even turn the key, just push a button and it goes. How? Some smart person made it work that way. And it knows whether the keys are in my pocket or not. Amazing things. We're so good at the material world that sometimes we forgot that there's more than the material world. I want to honor some of you that are very spiritually attentive. I know that for some of you, God will give you visions, He'll give you dreams, and some quite supernatural experiences that you might be really excited about. Maybe you keep them hush hush because you think people might think things about you. I don't have those, but I know some of you do. Sometimes people like me, and some of you need to be reminded. There's more than this physical realm. That's what Jesus has done. He's told us there's a spiritual realm. I can be present with you without a body. I can be spiritually present with you. I'm with you. You don't always see it, but I'm with you. I mentioned the masses. You think, where is he and where's his authority? You read the story of so many masses that as they die for the name of Jesus... They die in pain and simultaneously with joy singing praises to him. Knowing their God, even in that hardest time, is with them. And their testimony shouldn't be discounted. If I'm to talk to you about being with Jesus, surely I must tell you about my own testimony, my own story of being with Jesus. Before I became a follower of Jesus, I guess I was what you'd call a God-fearer. I believed there was a God. I knew he was out there. I prayed to him. I was pretty sure his name was Jesus. But you know what really ticked me off? When some of my friends became disciples of Jesus, I was provoked that they spoke about Jesus like they actually knew him. I was looking for this force who's out there and my friends talked about Jesus like they knew him. It was annoying. Has anyone else had the experience when you're on the outside and they're like, oh, no, no, I had lunch with him the other day. They acted like they had walked with him. They had talked with him and he had talked back. They knew his mind on various things. And I'm going to speculate, oh, surely God wouldn't want that to happen. Actually, God does want that to happen and God doesn't want that to happen. As I got closer to Jesus... I started to open his word. And as you know now, if you're a follower, that God is present in his word. He speaks to us. He reveals himself. That's why when we open the scriptures, it's not just about what are my instructions today, Lord. You know, in some of my best times with God, when I've really been tuned into my Bible reading, there's been times where I open my Bible and it's almost like, this is not a vision, just like, simile, like, similar, this might happen for you, it didn't happen for me, but as long as I open my Bible and this hologram of God sort of came up and just talked to me. It's amazing because God's present in his word. And I learned what he likes. I learned what he doesn't like. I learned my father's voice and he's present with me. And now I can speak about God like my friends did, like I actually know him. And so can you. But let me go back to the stuff you can't really explain too well. This spiritual realm that I was ignoring. When I was 16, I was not yet a follower of Jesus. And the most amazing thing happened by my gentle, powerful, all authority and present saviour. I was simply travelling in the back seat of my parents' car on my way home from school. 
I remember the road I was on. I remember the corner we were going around when all of a sudden my heart was softened. What does that mean? It means one kilometre I'm driving along with a heart that says, oh, there's a God and we should do some stuff together, but my extremist Christian friends, I don't want to know about that. So all of a sudden God did something to me. Now, if you're a skeptic, I sound like a crazy person right now, and that's okay. I think there's lots of other things I do that prove that I'm not an entirely crazy person. All of a sudden, my heart is softened, and this intense desire to know the one who was calling me came over me. An intense desire that I've been so crazy, this is wrong. I need to know him, and I want to know him now. Who can tell me about Jesus? Jesus, can you tell me about yourself? I need to know, and I need to know you now. Because he's present in a spiritual way, touching people and softening hearts. I believe in the authority and the presence of Jesus. And so, friends, I want to say to you this morning, if authority and presence means to you that everything will be fixed, if that's what you think Jesus means, then I encourage you, don't follow Jesus today. You haven't yet met him. You have a construct in your mind of who he is, but it's not who he's called. He's not who he's told you that he is. If authority and presence means to you that there's never going to be a rough day, and presence means that uh, he'll be like a genie in a lamp whenever you need Jesus, just like Aladdin, you go rub a dub dub, and Jesus will pop up in front of you and go, What are your wishes, my master? Then already you've forgotten he is the master. That's not how his presence works. If that's the, the, the Jesus you're expecting, then don't say you'd like to follow him today. You haven't understood him yet. But if you have a hunch that like I was to come to understand that this world is more than the physical realm, that there's more than just what you see, then I think you should press in. If you feel that he is calling you now to become a follower of his, then my counsel to you is don't ignore that. If you, like me, think it just takes way too much faith to believe, to believe that all of this is simply made up and it's fairy stories and that it's far more rational to trust and follow, then let's commit today to trust and follow the gentle, authoritative, present Saviour. You see, Jesus' resurrection, this empty tomb, this empty space, shows his authority over the one thing that had reigned and dominated this age from the beginning, death. Just one sign and only one sign needed. He's beaten death. And he's received authority over heaven and earth. And he says, that's the white hot why. Because of this, therefore go and make disciples, make people who can follow him and walk with him. And making disciples starts with being a disciple. And so I want to ask you to do some thinking about that now. Would you take up the response card, just like the one on the screen that's in front of you? Now, I look around this room and there's a lot of faces and a lot of stories that I know. Faces and stories that I know are followers of Jesus, trusting in Jesus, teaching each other and teaching me things about Jesus. Here's what I want to say to you. 
praise the Lord for you. It's wonderful that you walk with Jesus. But if you do walk with Jesus and you do believe that all authority has been given to him and you do believe that he is with us to the end of the age, can I ask you anew to ask his strength as a disciple maker? It kind of is the 11th commandment. And you go, well, what does that mean? Well, discipleship's kind of like walking. In fact, in the ancient world, that's what it was. You walked behind your rabbi. And so what is it to be a disciple maker? It's to, one, be a disciple, walking with Jesus. And you see someone who's not on the walk yet. You go, hey, this is a great walk with an amazing little. Did you know we're on a heavenly procession here? There's room for you. You should come too. You should come too. How do I come? You just say, I follow him. If you can say, I follow him, he is my leader, he is my Lord, then you're on the walk, so come. And they just might. But that's not all the t- that disciple making is. Disciple making is walk- walking along with one another and saying, isn't this a great walk? Yes, it's a great walk. Aren't we blessed to have such a wonderful saviour and leader in the Lord Jesus? Yes, we are. Well, let's spur one another on to keep walking with him and keep living like him. It's when one of us is starting to lag behind, say, hey, come on, man, it's good. This is a good walk. Keep coming, keep coming, keep encouraging one another in the faith. When someone starts to skew off to the side, hey, where are you going? We're on the good walk. Let's go on the good walk. And encouraging one one another along. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you believe all authority is his, and you believe he is with us to the end of the age, and brothers and sisters, can I call you to a recommitment of making disciples? But maybe for the first time this morning you're thinking, hmm, actually yes, the authority makes sense and the presence makes sense and I see what his claim is and for the first time you want to begin the walk, then welcome to the walk. It's simply a case of saying, not my walk anymore, Lord. I want to follow you. You do that and you're on a heavenly procession too into new life with him and these are your brothers and sisters It's a weird family, but it's a good family. Welcome. The second box is for you to tick. Maybe you are thinking, wait, huh? I'm still trying to get over Tony Abbott and his speedos in church. What was that all about? That guy's whack. They let him be a minister. Clearly, you have questions. There's a box for you to tick. There's a course that might help, but some of your questions might be different. Write them down. We'll have a go at them. Or maybe this morning you're thinking, yeah, I just don't see it yet. That's okay, we've all been there. I want to thank you for listening. Thank you for being a part of church this morning. And continue to pray for you that you might see Jesus and his one true sign that he is risen. And that means that all authority is his. He is gentle. He is calling you. And he will return to judge the living and the dead. And I pray that you might be on the walk with him. Let me pray now for us all and the decisions we've made. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for our Lord Jesus and we thank you for the honesty you have about the state of the world and the clarity he has shown. One sign, an empty tomb. We thank you, Father, that history records that the tomb was empty and so we can have confidence that all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. 
Thank you that we can have confidence that he journeys with us. He doesn't leave us guessing, but tells us what he is like. He doesn't leave us orphan, but gifts his Holy Spirit to be with us, that we might know his presence, be reminded of his truth, be called to him and be changed. And so, Father God, I pray for everyone here who confesses Jesus as Lord, that they might hear his call to call others and encourage others on the walk with him. Father God, I pray and thank you for everyone who's made a commitment to follow him for the first time. Would you nurture that new walker and help us as a family to get around them and walk together. Father God, I pray for those who have questions. May they be honest with those questions and push hard. There's no question you can't ask. And Father, give us wisdom and humility in answering them. And Father, for everyone who has said, no, thank you. Oh, Father God, we thank you for their honesty in owning where they are. And I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you'll do what you did for me. Call them when they weren't looking. Father, all of this we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now, here's what I want you to do with that card. I'd love to know who you are. I just need your name up the top. And the only other thing I need to know is how to say hi. That can be postal, that can be email, that can be phone number. I don't need all three. Just give me one. Just give me one of those. As we sing our next song, some buckets are going to come around. Just pop them in the bucket and God bless you.